This, uh, this week I went to visit the place that I go swimming, which is the Jewish Community Center in San Rafael. Isn't that exciting? Now, in the entrance to the Jewish Community Center, there was an installation that was built entirely uh, faced with the uh, whole installation built with with the uh, faced with signs that were given to the artist or architect by. Uh, people who are homeless. And each sign was a, was a cry for help, but I would say that 60 to 80 percent of the signs were, were offerings of love, were blessings, were like, a, I felt as though as I read these signs that I was being, I was receiving what's sometimes called in Sanskrit darshan, the blessings of all of the, of of the homeless people, and it started. It started to work me a little bit, and I, I realized that that in spite of the all the many many challenges of being homeless, the the pain of it, the the hunger, and all the difficulties that go along with being homeless, there was something in their experience that I felt envious of. And it was the, there was a kind of purity, a kind of a purity of an intimacy with life that often we, have com- we completely lose sight of. Uh, a kind of intimacy that comes from being alone. Being alone, be, being in solitude, being... Uh, not having the same kind of distractions, and I think in the maybe in the old old days you didn't have to be homeless to be faced with and touched by aloneness. You didn't have in between your stops at the at the uh, in between your meetings, at your breaks at work. You didn't, in the old days, people didn't pick up their iPhones, make phone calls. They just hung out. They hung out. And so people were with themselves a little more often. And, and there was a, a sense of connection, a different kind of connection. It's partly why I wanted us to connect with with reality tonight, why we sit, is so that we can come back to ourselves, not just the individual self, but to the self that is, self that is no self, that has no inside, that has no outside, that has no limit to it, that, that is constantly in contact with life and all of life, right where it touches us. So easily missed in our busyness, in our, in our um, compulsive, and I speak about myself as well, kind of compulsive filling up space with um, virtual connections. Whether it's to the news, or whether it's to the email, or to the texting, or to the whatever it is. 
And it's just so quick. And I have a feeling, I had a feeling as I was thinking about the people whose blessing I was receiving through their signs, in spite of the, it touching my heart, I just sat and I, I wept in front of these, this installation. But I have a feeling they weren't checking their email every five seconds. So I wanted to, as part of... I don't have a lot more to say about that. Other than I so deeply appreciate the, uh, that experience that it, it made me not want to just pass by, just kind of glance at uh, someone who's homeless and... I forgot what Linda said something about making that not have to go through that question whether I give or not, but to whether I give money or not to someone, I want to give attention to that person. And because I know that that the giving of attention will be receiving the attention. Because that of course there's a lot of desire perhaps in that person who's homeless, but there's they're in touch. And I think we can learn a lot from that. So I wanted to add to the training guidelines for our 100-day practice. And when I say training guidelines, just along the lines of the basic training precepts for daily life, uh, ways of non-harming, ways of training in cultivating that inner sense of safety so that we can offer that upaya dana, that, that gift of fearlessness where no one has to be afraid of you, where you, you trust their basic goodwill and their, and their purity. So I'd like to add some recommendation for those of you who are taking on this 100 days of committed practice to non-harming, to harmlessness, to, uh, to renouncing, at least for hours every day. Renouncing your smartphones or your computers, if you, other than the things you have to do for work. To give yourself that gift again of solitude, of touching life, of feeling a sense of aloneness. I don't mean loneliness. I mean aloneness. This is from Jennifer Wellwood. And this poem so reminds me what we miss while we're caught in our compulsions. Of course, that's why we meditate, so I'm preaching to the choir. But uh, here's Jennifer Wellwood. And it's entitled, Unconditional. Willing to experience aloneness, I discover connection everywhere. Turning to face my fear, I meet the warrior who lives within. Opening to my loss, I gain the embrace of the universe. Surrendering into emptiness, I find fullness without end. Each condition I flee from pursues me. Each condition I welcome transforms me and becomes itself transformed into its radiant, jewel-like essence. I bow to the one who has made it so, who has crafted this master game 
To play it is the purest delight. To honor its form, true devotion. So this, to me, is mindfulness. Mindfulness is meant to take us out of autopilot and to awaken us again to that deep inner nature that is no nature, where all things are connected. So I had the good fortune of going up to Canada this last weekend to lead a retreat. And it's so funny how all these little circles are coming together because on the, I made the choice before I even saw the, the, the homeless installation, I made a choice not to turn on a computer, not to do any kind of calendaring, not, you know, no, none of that. And so I was captive in one of those little United Express planes that are completely no frills. They don't have the, you know, some of the planes now, you can watch television. It's, it's wild. You could literally, or you can watch, I went, was on a flight that I, there were literally thousands of movies that you could watch. <laughs> Just bizarre. <laughs> But I, I, I decided just to hang out with, with myself uh, and not even read magazines. And it was the, it was, the, this was the flight on the way, on the way home, and it was basically three hours from, from up in northern Alberta. Three hours, and it was the sweetest time. And so this to me is a, a this is a practice of, of harmlessness. I'm not harming myself. I'm not harming anyone else. I'm not trying to delete anything, distract myself from anything. This is what mindfulness is all about. It's not about deleting. It's not about um, making anything different. It's about opening. Being interested in maybe being bored. Being interested in... in being a little restless or being interested in whatever state of mind shows up. And by doing that, everything revealing its dharma, its nature. There's nothing that comes into our mind that if we're curious about it, interested in it, it all self-liberates moment after moment. It comes, it goes, and something else new pops up. But if we're just constantly filling up the space, we lose that connection. So whatever, I, you know, I don't want to sound scolding, but if anybody feels that they're, they can relate to this kind of compulsion, even if you feel scolded, that's okay, too. <laughs> anyway, this is my own practice right now. I'm, I'm reminding myself of what, how much, uh, I really, this evening I did some walking practice outside for 15, 20 minutes before thinking about our evening, and I didn't know what I, exactly what I would talk about, but just walking out there, that or, the most ordinary thing, walking back and forth. A few times I was pulled in, I saw somebody come in on a bicycle, and I was interested in, in how far they rode, and, and, and I stopped and talked to a person, and they'd just been to Rainbow Grocery filling up their 
and it was just so simple, and then just walking back and forth. It's so easy to lose the, the pure extraordinariness of just walking. As Thich Nhat Hanh says, walking on our dear green planet. He says people think walking on water or fire is exotic. What's really amazing is, is walking on our dear earth. So simple. And everything is offered in a simple moment of mindful presence. That's where love flows from. And I can't do that. I can't stop, open up, without, without things beginning to just let go. I, I can't, one can't hold on. One can't cling. One can't be, be conditioning the habit of, of tensing and be present in the same moment. It's not possible. It cannot coexist with a grasping mind, an aversive mind, even a deluded mind, a mind that is, is mindfully present. Simplest way. There's really nothing exotic about it except it's completely exotic to be simple. And so it's all about allowing. It's all about letting go. It's all about letting be at least as a balance to our chronic productivity. That to-do list. Always wanting to get things done, get things done, figure things out. It's all a part of our nature. It's all a sign that we love ourselves, that we want to get things done and work things out and make a better world. But we can't just be human doings. We have to be human beings. And you've got to get simple to do that, to be that. Otherwise, you just, our life is just, we're missing this, we're missing reality, and, and life's quick. And so every day, part of our, to me, part of the 100-day practice period is adding to the, at least one portion of it, of your three or four practice periods a day where you, where you, or things that you're especially paying attention to. I was talking to somebody tonight. I wasn't sure whether this particular period was taking hold. And the person said, well, I'm thinking about it and tuning into it. But whatever that is that you're tuning into that is for you onward leading toward harmlessness, one of the things that will give fuel to that practice of harmlessness is doing some version of the four the Tibetan Four Reminders every day or the, the five daily reflections in the Theravada tradition, but I'll share the Four Reminders again tonight. Reflecting when you wake up in the morning and any time during the day on the preciousness of your life. The preciousness of human birth. The, the all that came together for you to be born. All the conditions that had to arise, which means that all of life had to be the way it was. That from beginningless time, your life has no beginning. So it really is, it, it's, it's fed by all of life at all of time. This is the deathless teaching for a Buddhas, is you realize that you have no beginning and no end. But it's a miracle that you came to this, you were born into this moment. It's precious. It's a happening. 
It's so easy to miss that while we're busy complaining about our lives. It hurts to be alive, no doubt about it. Even the best people, the best circumstances have a hard time. Nobody's immune to it, but it's precious. And it's easy to miss. And it's easy to lose the conditions that we have right now. You can see what the effects of natural disasters and, and uh, the change of resources, all of that. It's so many things can affect our life. Illness. So really taking advantage and never forgetting the preciousness of this life because the second reminder feeds right into that, which is that this life is, as everything is, it's impermanent. Whatever is born dies, whatever arises passes away. And so that means not only the, the drag of everything slips through our fingers like sand, but it also means that as we move along this trail, age, go through whatever we do, do whatever we do, we want to be able to, we will inevitably reflect on our life. That's what happens because of change. We reflect and we want to say, I, I actually did, I lived as well as I could. I had, there were a lot of, lot of circumstances that were hard to bear, but I did the best I could. I lived well. I, I, tried, to do the, I tried to love well. I, I really tried to, I took advantage. So that preciousness of human birth, preciousness of my life and impermanence, very tied together. Remember that impermanence was the, reflecting on impermanence, is what, turned, what woke up the Buddha. That's what woke up the prince who is as deluded as all of us. You know, who was caught up in, in all the, the misplaced faith in sense pleasures. Same, he was in the same situation relative to his time. And what woke him up was sickness, old age, death, impermanence. So every day we should be reflecting on impermanence because it'll just keep things in perspective. Kiss the joy as it flies, you know. She who binds to herself a joy, you know, so we're so caught up in the pleasure. She who binds to herself a joy does the winged life destroy. But she who kisses the joy as it flies lives in eternity sunrise. So thinking about impermanence every day, our stuff, our relationships, our near and dear ones, all slipping through our fingers. So we have to learn how to allow that so we can be free. So that third one, reflect every day, and I did, we talked about this last week, on the fact of karma, that of actions, and the volition, the intention behind our actions determines the fruits of them. So tuning in every day to the fact that our actions have results. Did I do the same list last week? I may have. <laughs> anyway, and last but not least, to reflect every single day on uh, the, uh, what's traditionally called the defects of samsara. The, just the, uh, basically on the Four Noble Truths. That this life is, for everyone, slightly defective. <laughs> it has pain. It has the pain of being born, the pain of sickness, the pain of aging, the pain of dying, pain of, of not getting what you want all the time, and the pain of not wanting what you get. And it has the pain of loss, no matter who you are. It's not just for a few people. Everybody. 
And somehow we get deluded about that and think if we're having a rough time, it's just us. So to reflect on that, the defects of our, our life, so that we're not in a constant running from the facts that we... We can, as the Buddha prescribed, he had a prescription for the truth, open to it. He didn't say, try to get away from it and distract yourself and turn on your, your um, smartphone, check your email. He said, open to it. This is painful. Let it tenderize your heart. Let it ferment you, as Hafez says. Let it season you. And then, as Hafez says in his poem, something missing in my, in my heart tonight has made my eyes so soft, my voice so tender, my need of life, of reality, absolutely clear. So reflecting on, on uh, opening to the defects of our, of our life, the pains of our life. And then reminding ourselves every day that what causes that pain, that basic pain of life to, to become mental suffering, torments, uh, is that chronic tendency to want things other than the way they are. And the Buddha's prescription for that was, let go, allow. And fortunately, he didn't stop there. When we reflect on the defects of samsara, there, the Buddha mentioned that there is a way of finding peace right in the middle of it all. There's freedom. There's a way of sitting right in the middle of your life, regardless of what the conditions are, and finding home. Stopping the search. Stopping the chronic running from silence. Just plop. And the Buddha's recommendation for the cessation of suffering was to realize it. Don't overlook this vital point. That right, in fact, in this very moment, you don't have to wait. You don't have to, you may have to travel a long way to get to Los Angeles or as I went to Edmonton. It's, it's, it's beautiful up there, but it's often frozen. But uh, how far do you have to go to be present? <laughs> Nowhere. So his recommendation is let go, let be, as is. Realize that cessation of grasping, condemning, complaining. And finally, in reflecting on the defects of samsara, there's the recommendation is to deal with it, to, be, to open to it, to abandon the cause, to realize the end of it, um, that there is a path. And... This path must be cultivated or created out of the fabric of your own life. So reflecting every day on the preciousness of our life, impermanence, the fact that our actions, body, speech, mind, produce results, and uh, that our life has challenges to it, and we can learn to be free in it. So I leave you with... Or at least the last thing I'll say is I'm open to hearing from you, but I'd like to share this poem from Dana Falls called Allow. There is no controlling life. Try corralling a lightning bolt containing a tornado. 
darn a stream and it will create a new channel. Resist and the tide will sweep you off your feet. Allow and grace will carry you to higher ground. The only safety lies in letting it all in. The wild and the weak, fear, fantasies, failures, and success. When loss rips off the doors of your heart, or sadness veils your vision with despair, practice becomes simply bearing the truth. In the choice to let go of your known way of being, the whole world is revealed to your new eyes. So let go, let go. Commit to peace and non-harming. Any comments, questions? We have a couple minutes left. Or should we just let it drop? Let go, let be as is. I'll leave you then with uh, the words of Hakuin Zenji. A reminder of your of the deep nature that is here. All beings by nature are Buddha. Buddha means awake, by the way. All beings by nature are Buddha, as ice by nature is water. Apart from water, there is no ice. Apart from beings, no Buddha. How sad that people ignore the near and search for truth afar. Like someone in the midst of water, crying out in thirst. Like a child of a wealthy home wandering among the poor. Lost on dark paths of ignorance, we wander through the six worlds, from dark path to dark path. When shall we be freed from birth and death? O Zen, or meditation, to this the highest praise. Devotion, repentance, training, the many perfections all have their source in meditation. Those who meditate even once wipe away beginningless crimes. Where are all the dark paths then? The pure land itself is near. Those who hear this teaching, this truth, even once, and listen with a grateful heart, treasuring it, revering it, gain blessings without end. Much more those who turn about and bear witness to self-nature, self-nature that is no nature, go far beyond mere doctrine. Here effect and cause are the same. The way is neither two nor three. With form that is no form, going and coming we are never astray. With thought that is no thought, even singing and dancing are the voice of the law. How boundless and free 
is the sky of awareness. How bright the full moon of wisdom. Truly, is anything missing now? Nirvana is right here, before our eyes. This very place is the lotus land. This very body, the Buddha. May all beings realize their Buddha nature, their primordial freedom, their natural state. May all beings live with ease. May all beings be free. And may our practice this evening and every day and every moment be dedicated to the welfare and benefit of all. And may any of the blessings of this evening practice be shared with a, a deep wish that all can have happiness and the causes of happiness, that all can be free of suffering and the causes of suffering, that all beings can recognize the sacred happiness that is without sorrow, and that all beings including ourselves, can grow in serenity and equanimity, able to meet the joys and the sorrows with less grasping, less aversion. Again, may all beings be free. May our practice touch the hearts of all beings. Thank you. Happy practicing. Happy pausing. Maybe wait a week before you buy the new iPhone. <laughs> Just <kidding. laughs> The equinox is Sunday for anyone who is interested. Equinox is Sunday. Be attuned to nature. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.